This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Father, again, we come before you, Lord, lifting up uh, this family, the Bosters. Lord, uh, Lord, we're so grateful that all things are in your control. We do pray, Lord, for your um, intervention in this situation. Lord, uh, for healing, if it's your will to, uh, to do so, we know that you can uh, cause this man to breathe uh, as he needs to in order to, uh, in order to recover. Lord, we pray for your grace, whatever the outcome here, for your grace and for your uh, strength. May they, may they all know your presence, your comfort. And Lord, work all of this out, we pray, uh, in such a way that it brings honor and glory to you. Lord, uh, we ask that again for all of these that we've uh, mentioned tonight. All of the needs represented on the list. Um, others that are on our minds and hearts. Lord, our desire ultimately is that Your will be done. We ask for grace to uh, reach out, to serve, to pray. In every way that you would have us to, Lord, to uh, to minister to these, to uh, lift them up before your throne of grace. And again, we just look to you to do what needs to be done. We ask for your wisdom, Lord, as we open your word tonight. We pray that you would grant understanding. Lord, again, for, for our own edification and for Your glory, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a sick little boy, wasn't he, from what I heard. Well, thank the Lord, he's home and doing well. Okay, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Pick up our study here. Hey, Zach, you hand these out for me, please, sir. First Timothy chapter three. While he's handing those out, I want to go ahead and read uh, again the first seven verses here. This is a faithful saying: If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded 
of good behavior, hospitable, apt to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. And again, just a reminder, all of this is uh, uh, written in the context of uh, verse 15. Paul gives his reason for writing this letter there. Uh, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Um, Sometimes some of these things, like here tonight we're talking about church leadership, specifically the office of elder. And sometimes these things uh, seem a little technical. um, And you may wonder, uh, well, uh, what's the the benefit um, in uh, looking at these things? Well, uh, <clears throat> number one, we just we just want to do things the way that the Lord says do them. Like Paul tells the Corinthians, we want to do things decently and in order. We want to do all things for the edification of the church. And so what we're looking at here is how God um, has ordered things, how He's instructed us to do things. That's what Paul's saying. I'm writing these things to you so that you may know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. So, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a, I would say, like a trickle-down effect. I mean, it affects everything the church does. If the church is, is, um, is ordered right, um, then it has an effect on things like evangelism, outreach. Uh, so, it, it all plays a, a part. And the Lord uh, sets things up a certain way. It's much like a household where you've got a husband and wife and then children. And so he sets things up to operate a certain way. And when we do it his way, um, of course, it's more uh, beneficial for us and more effective as far as getting the work done. Now, I just, I just want to, again, show you tonight um, a, a couple of uh, old confessions here. Uh, just kind of refresher to what we talked about last week as we look at this. Um, Historically, Baptists have recognized two offices in the local church. Now, they're not the only ones, but I'm just just saying that because this this is a Southern Baptist church, okay? (laughs) So I just want you to know, uh, those who have gone on before us, uh, gone before us historically have recognized two offices or functions. You'll you'll hear me use that word probably quite a bit. Um, And those two functions are offices are um, pastor and deacon, are elder and deacon. Elder is the word that is most commonly used in the Scripture. We talked a great deal about that last week. Pastor, uh, elder, um, overseer, shepherd, it's all referring to the same office. The main uh, three Greek words that we talked about last week, uh, episkopos, where we get our word episkopalian, um, means overseer. Uh, presbyteros means elder, um, and then you have the the word shepherd, uh, uh, poimeno. It's it's uh, it just means shepherd. It's translated pastor in Ephesians four, 
In fact, that's the only time it's used in the noun form referring to uh, an office in the church. Uh, and I showed you a couple places last week, which we'll look at them again, that, where it's used in a verb form. So pastor, elder, um, overseer, same thing. Same thing. All right, now, a couple of confessions from the past here, just to kind of bear out what I'm, I'm telling you here, that this is what Baptists have historically recognized. Um, first one is from the 1644 London Baptist Confession, Article 36. Being thus joined, every church hath power given them from Christ for their well-being, to choose among themselves meet persons for elders and deacons. Notice there they use the term elder, but again, it's pastor and deacons, or elder and deacons, same thing. Being qualified according to the Word of God as those which Christ hath appointed in His testament for the feeding, governing, serving, and building up of His church and that none have any power to impose either these or any other. So, he uh, even gives a brief description of uh, function there. Um, elders and uh, deacons are placed in the church for feeding, governing, serving, and building up of Christ's church. And remember last week, the little handout I gave you, I had uh, two categories, leaders and servants. And so, under leaders, uh, remember we had elders, pastors, uh, whatever word you want to use, bishops, overseers. It's all referring to the same thing. That's a leadership. In other words, an authoritative role in the local church. And then, under the second category, which I had titled servants, is deacons. That's what the word means, servant. Servant. So, you got... Uh, your leaders, or you know, pastor, elder, and then you've got deacons. All right, 1833 New Hampshire Confession. Now, last week I I gave you an article from the 2000 uh, Baptist Faith and Message. If you still have that, you're going to notice that there's very little difference in that and this. The, the uh, Baptist Faith and Mes- Message is based on the uh, New Hampshire Confession, so it's very similar. But this this is from 1833. Article 13, New Hampshire Confession. Of a gospel church, we believe that a visible church of Christ is a congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith faith and fellowship of the gospel. All of these things very well said and very important. Church is a congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel, observing... The ordinances of Christ, that's reference to uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, governed by His laws and exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by His Word. The final authority. I mean, here, here we are, we, we need to keep that in mind, because here we are talking about church leadership and authoritative roles in the church, but remember, uh, Christ is the head. Ultimately, He's the head. The Word of God is our standard. So everything is, is uh, at least the goal is, everything is done according to the Word of God. That it's only, again, talking about the church, I'm finishing this out, 
that its only scriptural officers are bishops, are pastors, same same thing, and deacons. Or you could say elders and deacons, pastors and deacons, bishops and deacons, um, whose qualifications, claims, and duties are defined in the epistles to Timothy and Titus. Um, Timothy, of course, which we're looking at. Titus, Titus chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, Philippians 1-2. This, this, this is uh, just an example. Uh, and we've already looked at some passages last week. going to look at some more tonight. Um, but this is, this is an example where uh, both are mentioned as Paul addresses the church at Philippi. In Philippians 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul and Timothy address the letter to um, the church at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. And I use the English Standard Version here uh, because it uh, uses the most literal translation there, overseer and deacon. If you've got a, a King James, it'll say bishop, but again, it's the same thing, same office. To the bishops and deacons, or the overseers and deacons. So there you see both uh, functions mentioned in, in Paul's address to the church at Philippi. Okay. First Thessalonians 5, 12, 13. Now, this is just a reference to leadership, but I, I intended to uh, mention this one last week and I neglected to do so. First Thessalonians 5, 12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly uh, in love for their work's sake. And again, that would be a, a reference to the leadership in the church uh, being the, uh, the elders or, or, uh, or pastors. Hebrews 13.7, this one ought to be familiar, right? Hebrews 13.7 and verse 17, again, reference to leadership in the local church. Verse 7, remember those who rule over you, uh, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. And in Hebrews 13.17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Uh, literally, in both of those two verses, it's, it's uh, the ones leading. It's a participle. Remember the ones leading over you. Obey the ones leading over you and be submissive. So, uh, again, reference to leadership in the local church, uh, which would be... Uh, Elders or pastors, bishops. A um, couple more, and y'all hang with me because I know I'm, I'm spitting out a lot of a lot of verses here. But I want you to see that 
It's there, okay? <laughs> um, Acts 20.17, Paul calls together the uh, elders from Ephesus. Acts 20.17 says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. That's the uh, uh, one of the three Greek terms we've talked about there. This one is presbyteros, translated elders. It's where we get our word Presbyterian. So, so Paul calls for the elders of the church. Then down in verse 28, his instruction to them, Acts 20, 28, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, overseers to shepherd the church of God. So you have all three functions mentioned here referring to the same people, the same uh the same group of people that Paul's speaking to. They're called elders. Verse 28, they're called overseers, and they are instructed to shepherd, which is the verb form of the word pastor. Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Again, 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. The elders who are among you I exhort... I who am a fellow elder, Peter says, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and a, also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Now, there again is the verb form of the word pastor. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. And he's saying that to the elders. And then he goes on to say, serving as overseers. Not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So again, um, elders, shepherd, overseer, synonymous terms, all used referring to the same same office or same function. In 1 Timothy, and this is in reference to elders here, in 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially those who labor in the Word and doctrine. So let the elders who rule well or who lead well be counted worthy of double honor. Again, just a reference to show that there, there are designated elders in the local church. Uh, in, in this case, First Timothy is talking, again, about the church at Ephesus. Um, in Titus, Titus 1.5, uh, Titus 1 also contains the uh, qualifications for uh, elder. Titus 1.5 says, For this reason I left you in Crete, speaking to Titus, that you set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. So Paul left uh, Titus with instructions to appoint elders in every city. James 5.14, another reference to elders. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray for him, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Sometimes people will ask, and this is just kind of a side, side issue here, but sometimes people will ask a question like, does, does your church anoint people with oil, oil and pray for them? Um, well, uh, when we get requests, we haven't had a lot of requests. What the Scripture actually says is 
this is instruction for those who are sick to call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them and anointing them with oil. It's not instruction for the pastor to or any other elder to uh, uh, have an anointing service in, you know, in the church service. Um, but but yes, if someone requests that. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, but there's a reference to elders. Let him call for the elders. That is, let the sick person call for the elders of the church. Now, let me just mention this, not to be confusing, but uh, uh, context is always so important. Um, somebody asked me today, you know, when you're reading the Scripture, how do you, how do you know when you, when you look at a word, you, like you look it up in the concordance, and it has uh, maybe several different meanings, and, and that's often the case with words. Uh, so you look it up in the concordance and it's got several different meanings. How do you know which meaning applies to the passage you're looking at? And uh, I said, well, you know, there's a, there's a saying in real estate, um, the three most important things in real estate, location, location, location. <laughs> and that's the same way with interpreting uh, words in Scripture. Uh, location, location, location. Context, context, context. So you you know... By context. Sometimes you can't determine for sure, but most of the time you can, and uh, it's important to look at the context to tell. Now, the reason I say that is because in the word elder can just mean uh, an, an older man, you know, just some, somebody who's elderly, just like we use the term. It's not always talking about a church, an office, or a function in the church when it's used in Scripture. So you have to look at the context. Um, for example, in, in this same epistle, 1 Timothy 5, verse 1, his instruction to, uh, to uh, Timothy, do not rebuke an older man, an elder, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers. The reason that the uh, New King James translates it as older man is because of the context, which is probably correct. First Peter 5.5, 5, Peter's instruction, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Again, probably there is referring to older people uh, and not necessarily a church officer. Um, and then he goes on to say, Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. But in Acts 20, when, call, when Paul calls for the elders of Ephesus, it's, it's clear by the context there he's not referring to uh, just older men in the church. He's talking about the leaders of the church. So context is important. Um, Ephesians 4.11. Again, this is the one time the noun form of the word pastor is used. Uh, in reference to uh, church office. It's used a lot of times in the New Testament, but it's usually either referring to Jesus or uh, to a literal shepherd like, like in Luke 2. Um, but here it's referring to church office. Ephesians 4.11, He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Or you could paraphrase that, pastors slash teachers. Uh, there's four offices there. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. 
Uh, and I already read First Peter 5, 2. The verb form is used there. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. Uh, so, there again are references to leadership in the local church. Elders. So when you see these confessions, like uh, the 1644 confession I read earlier says the two offices are elders and deacons. That word elders is talking about pastors or bishops or uh, overseers or shepherd. All the same thing. Uh, and then deacon as, as servants. Okay. We're not going to deal with deacons tonight, but let me let me just mention again, though that is the word does literally mean servant. So it's it it kind of uh, it's like in the case with overseer, the, uh, the the title, if you want to call it that, the word overseer also gives you uh, kind of a, a, a built-in idea of the job description. You, you, you know, what does an overseer do? Well, he oversees. Same way here. What, is, what does a deacon do? He deeks. What, what does a servant do? He serves. He serves. So, um, that doesn't give you much detail, but we'll get into that later, hopefully. Lord willing. Okay. Last week, and before we uh, uh, start hitting on the qualifications here listed, um, I raised a question right before we dismissed last week. If you notice, when we read through, and last week we read all the way through qualifications of deacons as well as elders, you notice they're very similar. What's the difference? And this is for everybody but Brother Carl. <laughs> Give me a distinction between Paul's qualifications... Between uh, you, you probably better switch to this mic because my battery's go fading fast. Just turn this one up. Um, anybody look at that during the week? That, that was your homework assignment. What's the, what's the distinction here between qualifications for pastors and qualifications for deacons? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that raises a good question, doesn't it? Kind of hard for a woman to be husband of one wife, isn't it? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> let's, let's, uh, well, it's in verse 2. All right. A, a bishop or an overseer then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate. Sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. That's it. That, that is not in qualifications for deacon. Now, it's not that their deacons aren't allowed to teach, but they're just not required to teach. In fact, if you, if you go back and read Acts 6 and 7, Stephen was one of the first deacons, and he was a powerful preacher uh, and the first martyr laid down his life uh, for the cause of the gospel, worked miracles. Um, but deacons aren't required to teach. Elders, pastor, bishop, 
<laughs> overseer, whichever name you want to use there for the leadership, um, elder uh, is one I like, again, because it's used most in Scripture. Um, but elder, an elder is required to teach. It's one of the qualifications. The elder must be apt to teach or able to teach. That is not a requirement for deacon. But again, elder is an authoritative role, an authoritative function in the local church. And this is one reason I, I point this out, because the, the office, if you want to use that term, the office of deacon is a servant role. Not, not, it's not a position of authority. It is a servant role. Elder is a servant role, too, but it's a, it's a uh, still has with it uh, authority. It's an authoritative position, a teaching position. All right? So that's, that's the main distinction. If you notice, other than that, it's pretty much the same, isn't it? Uh, Right. Deacon is not a position of authority. It is a, again, the word literally means servant. It's used throughout the New Testament, uh, you know, translated as servant, uh, usually. Sometimes, uh, like here, they, they, they basically bring it uh, over into English. Uh, just bring the Greek word over in verse eight. Likewise, deacons. Instead of translating it, they they just they transliterate it. They just they just bring the Greek word over and in, 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 uh, uh, Englishize it, if that's a word. Uh, and so you know we use that as a, uh, the name for that function, that office. But the word just means servant. Servant. A deacon serves. As a matter of fact. Um, Look in verse 13. For those who have served well as deacons, that word is not there twice. This is, this is a case of, of uh, the translators just trying to help with understanding here. Um, but it literally is just for those who have served well, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness. Um, it would it would be redundant because remember again that it's the same word so it would be redundant to say for those who have served well as servant but they do it for our sake because we use the word deacon as the title of a position for those who have served well as deacons when it's just for those who have served well purchased for themselves um, the same is is true uh, with the word office. Let's see. Our position back in verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, or, or the old King James says the office uh, of a bishop, that's not there. The word office is not there. It's, it's just if a man desires overseership, if a man stretches forward towards overseership, he, he desires a good work. The translators have supplied the phrase, the, uh, phrase, uh, the position of, or the office of, uh, to aid with understanding. 
But uh, literally, it's just overseership. If you desire overseership, or if you have served well, um, there are, again, overseers and servants. One more thing I want to say before we have to wrap it up tonight, because uh, this is going to sound very elementary, but I bet it's striking if you think about it. Um, D.A. Carson's point has pointed out that the, uh, <laughs> the most remarkable thing about the qualifications for elder and deacon, you read through here, is that they are so unremarkable. In other words, you, you read down through here, and what, what Paul is saying, here's, here's the kind of man that an elder must be. Here's the kind of man that a deacon must be. And then he gives us things that really every Christian should be, right? Blameless, verse 2. Husband of one wife. Literally, a one-woman man. That, that should be every Christian man. Temperate. Sober-minded, good behavior, hospitable, that, again, should be every Christian man. Now, able to teach is an exception, uh, uh, but you go on. Verse 3, not a drunkard, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, should be true of every Christian man. Gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence, should be true of every Christian man. And then you could, you could read through the qualifications of deacon and say the same thing. So again, D.A. Carson says that the thing that's so remarkable about these qualifications is that they are so unremarkable. Um, he's just calling for a lifestyle that really should be true of every Christian, but he is saying that uh, it must be true of, of the men who hold these offices or functions. The, the church has to seek out men whose lives are characterized by these traits that, uh, that he gives here. Okay, and we'll, we'll try to go through them. Uh, hmm in detail, I guess in two weeks. Right? Brother Carl is going to be, because Lord willing, we'll be headed to Louisville um, Wednesday. And uh, Brother Carl will be preaching next Wednesday night. So, uh, Lord willing, we'll get back to this in two weeks. Any questions before we close? Yes, sir. Sure. Yeah. To but before before they make him a deacon or whatever. Sure. I, I think so. But you know, at least um, Paul told Timothy, uh, make full proof of your your ministry. I mean, there's scriptural grounds, in other words, for 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 just observing and making. Uh, there's not like a, a time frame given. When I was first ordained, um, the organization that I well when I was first licensed. The organization that I was licensed with was an organization called World Ministry Fellowship. And uh, they had a, a requirement of three to five years. You had to be licensed to preach three to five years before you could be ordained 
Now, let's, I'm just saying this because I want to be clear on this. The Scripture does not mandate something like that. But, 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 it, but you're asking, is it a scriptural practice? I would say probably, yeah, if you're, just, if you're just applying principles of wisdom. But, I mean, it's not, it doesn't say, so, you know, you, you, you wait this amount of time before you make somebody a deacon or you wait this amount of time before you uh, ordain them as an elder or whatever. But, uh, but there's good reason to do something like that. Uh, because you have to know if they, uh, if their life is characterized this way. I mean, if somebody walks in off the street and uh, they say, "Look, uh, I'm temperate, sober-minded, um, have good behavior, I'm gentle, quarrelsome, covetous, <laughs> covetous list, and all this kind of thing," um, you know, you wouldn't just take them at their word. You, you, you you're going to have some kind of Time frame to examine them. So I, w- I would say, yeah, but but it's, it's not. It's definitely not biblically prohibited to, to have a, 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 that type of policy and pretty well infer mm. talking about how can you make this decision about an individual without proving the book. Amen. Amen. Also, in our Southern Baptist Convention, they are specific to talk about pastors and not use the word preacher, or all pastors can preach, but all preachers are not pastors. Yeah. And uh, that gets out of a little bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But, yeah, I think it's prudent, you know. To have something, but you know, most of the time, if somebody, at least as far as elder, if somebody's going to be considered, hopefully it's somebody you've already known for a while anyway, um, coming up in the church. But uh, if not, then yeah. There are many churches that do the same thing with membership. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've known, I've known churches where man, we're so we're thrilled to death that you're interested in our church. Mm-hmm. That'd be wonderful and great. And so uh, we're going to we're going to set you aside as a candidate for membership. And you come for a year, and you show up for a year, and you participate financially in an activity for a year, and go rob any banks and. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, just, you know, again, it made me think of Acts 6 when the first deacons are chosen. He, he, Peter and the, and the uh, elders, they instruct the congregation, choose out from among you seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So, so you got to know, you know, you, who, who is and who isn't. You know, they, they had time uh, by then to, uh, to know who fit that description. Anybody else? This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. 
Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.